Hello everyone and welcome to the Sario Dev Show, Engineering IRL. And uh, in today's revision, what we're going to be talking about is uh, my favorite parts of engineering, why I love engineering. Now, just before we get into that, this is revision 10. So it's kind of cool, we've hit the double digits. So if you've been listening to the podcast at all, thanks for listening. And if you're new to it, then hopefully uh, you will continue to listen to more. Just hit, uh, just subscribe and you'll get any of the updates as the episodes release. But uh, let's get straight into the episode. Um, when we're talking about engineering, first question is, what is engineering? What does an engineer do? And the thing is, it's understandable that most cases, if you're not an engineer and someone asks what, if you think about what, like even before I became an engineer, when you ask the question, what does an engineer do? You don't actually know, okay? You know the buzzwords, you know the big stuff. Hey, we uh, they create solutions or whatever, the change the world stuff. And then you have the low level like, okay, they use math. Those are pretty much the spectrum of that's what an engineer does. But there's a lot of cool stuff with the in-between, the everything else. Aside from those two things, um, what's an engineer day-to-day? What kind of things do they do? Um, firstly is, uh, and I'll speak to kind of what my experience has been, is that you, you get given problems, okay, customer comes in, they have some uh, problems for you to solve. It's not like a list of problems, you know, a test A, B, C, D, but it's, it might be a requirement spec or they have some contract scope of works that they need to get done. So you have problems, you get a requirement spec, you do some analysis. After there's analysis on the requirements and how we're going to pull it all off, then the, you go into design phase. You go as you go into design phase, you talk and you consider all the requirements. Plus, you consider any other factors that may be affecting um, the potential solutions. Everything from technical to to financial to uh, all stakeholder considerations, environmental safety, all that sort of stuff, and timeline. Then you go into procurement once you've done your detailed design. You get everything, you uh, then do construction, uh, build. You build the system or you build the solution, depending on what it is. After that, you um, test the solution, prove that it works at, uh, in your, where you're working, so at factory. And then after you send uh, the equipment to the final location where it needs to be, um, rebuild it there and test it again. That's by and large what uh, most engineers will do if they are in projects at a high level. Cool, so we've got this little this process. What's, what's so good about that? What I find most compelling um, as an engineer and what's probably the, the, the one that gives you that best feeling is when you've gone, when you've been through an entire project where it started off as words on a page, just letters on a, everyone's seen words on a page, it crunches through your brain and all sorts of people's brains for the analysis. So all these things have been considered, they're being put into this machine, into your brain, that's what I mean by the machine. And then after that, it comes to design. And there's many decisions to be made with the design, but at the end of the day, you decide which goes where and how how each bit's going to be solved, and how the whole thing's going to tie together. Awesome, cool. So you've got this design, and when you get to the end of a project and you need to do the 
you know, the go, the test, the this thing does this thing. Great explanation, I know, but it could be it could be anything. This this could be a this could be a construction. This could be mechanical. Whatever it is that the project needs to do. So, for example, even 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 a bit of software. You go and do the test run or whatever it is, and it behaves. The system does the thing that it's meant to do because of your design. That is super super satisfying. Something about that is super satisfying. It happened exactly as you intended, exactly as you wanted, and you knew it was going to happen because it was based on your design. You go all the way back, all the way through to the design phase, and you see the drawings with uh, the engineers on there and your names on that um, uh, on that drawing or on that schematic or on any part of the documentation trail it's super cool that's probably the most the most satisfying part of it all um, watching something come come together like that i think is one of the you know, one of the be- one of the best things now not every engineer uh will will be doing this process I mean, typically, if you're in, in some sort of project, you will be. But, but quite frankly, every engineering process, either you're part of the engineering process, but even other types of engineering, even if you're in R&D or even if you're doing uh, something a bit more, you're just a requirements analysis or you're, you're a, uh, maybe you're a consultant, you don't actually do the project. A lot of the things that you consult on, like you can break things down um, into a project type, type form and everything you work on is some form of project and and what you find satisfying from whatever it is that you're doing in engineering then that's what you find that's that's where you'll find that satisfaction now if you say to me hey but uh you know i all i do is requirements analysis the whole time and i never get that satisfaction well you know where you should go <laughs> you know what's the thing you should try because if you can get into project work or to design work, that's really cool. Now, in uh, Australia, for example, there's not as much design opportunities. A lot of the time, you're an, as an engineer, you're an integrator, or you check that system still work, or you're in maintenance, or whatever it is. You need to, if you listen to some of the earlier podcasts, you need to find, uh, you, can, you can extend what you're doing and find other opportunities. You can make mini projects in improving the process of what you're doing. And still get that same satisfaction you know what I mean uh, maybe not to the same extent but you will be scratching that itch okay if you're an engineer uh, say you're an up-and-coming engineer like and you can get on in on a project it doesn't matter what phase it is what you do is you you understand that the part of your uh, your part of the execution you're part of the project but keep it in context to what the project is achieving in a bigger picture Okay, sometimes you might get tied down. Okay, all I'm doing is copy and pasting these. I don't know. I'm just trying to make a soundboard. You know, I'm just repeating this one task over and over. But really, what what what's it achieving? Why are you doing that? What's the bigger picture that it's a part of? Um, and some of that stuff can be exciting. Sometimes non-project work is super exciting. When you, like, one of the other most exciting uh, parts for me is it's essentially the design phase early on when someone's saying do you think we can come up with something that does this or if you're working on more cutting-edge technology or something that that that's never been done or looked at before or a way of solving a problem that's never been done before or even a known process except we have to get it done in two days instead of eight and you you have to go into your brain and think like 
how? How could I make this happen in that time? Most times you say like, it's kind of impossible. I'm, I'm not eight, you know, unless I divide myself into two cloves, probably can't do it. But sometimes you just got to find a way. Sometimes the problem is that like that constraint's just there and you just got to find a way. And that part can be exciting. Like if you have a project that's coming up or a task that's coming up, that's going to be really hard like you, you you have you know you've done a little bit of that but you've never done it to this extent or to this size or with this size of team or to that speed to me that's exciting that's like it that's that's a challenge i may lose sleep i may be working a bunch of overtime coming up but that overcoming that challenge alone like don't get me wrong if you're just being overworked that's one thing or if you're just giving you know uh, they call it a hospital pass you know something that where you're, you're bound to fail someone's giving you a grenade to catch you know that's not always fun but the biggest the biggest reward is when someone has legitimately given you a grenade to catch and they're sorry like this is a piece of rubbish that you need to catch and you catch it and you put that you you turn that into something actually useful it's even more epic like that's even cooler because that's a problem that everyone said oh, that's impossible <laughs> there is no way and sometimes even if you're trying to solve small problems or you're trying to help other uh, other other engineers with their problems or uh, like not personal problems but you know uh, like customer problems or technical issues or things like that and you can come up come at them with a different solution or something they hadn't thought of and then all of a sudden like i don't care for hey i solved everyone's i solved all the big problems sometimes what's surprisingly uh satisfying is when you can provide someone uh, a clue or a different perspective i don't know if you've seen this before but when you tell someone something and it just it sparks something in them they're oh and they like shh you know I, I got something that that thinking what you said made me think of this in a different way and I might have an answer to my problem that I've been stuck on for days when you can spark that excitement in someone else because they've been like banging their head at this problem you know what they say um, you know you bang your head on the same thing over and over it doesn't change everyone knows that but when you can give someone that slight angle and oh, if I just tilt my head this way and it changes the whole game for them and they're going to try a whole bunch of stuff that alone is uh, super fun <laughs> so those are some things that uh, personally that i like um, about the day-to-day -day, uh, engineering the stuff that you do in your day-to-day -day. even if even um, when you're in the office or when you're on site um, there are these micro day-to-day -day engineering things that i personally think is uh, like really satisfying really cool but when you when you think a little bit larger of what when I you know I talked about earlier just earlier that you got to sometimes think about the bigger picture of what this can mean or what's the impact a lot of what you do in engineering the, the job of engineering at the end of the day is to design the human world that we live in absolutely everything that you see like I'm driving right now and everything I see on the streets every single thing has had some form of engineering involved part of everything in the man-made world is engineered has had engineering knowledge it's been transferred over years thousands of years and they evolve over time like the thing is that sometimes 
there are uh, a lot of lessons you can learn from old school engineering, okay? And, and you might think, well, you know, technology keeps moving because we've got all this previous knowledge and we build on it. If the knowledge is never revisited, that knowledge is lost. Uh, example like the pyramids or, you know, there's things in, in, in previous times that are mysteries that how did they build this? How did they make this? How did they come up with that? It was engineers of the time, geniuses that, uh, that maybe there was a process that got, um, ended up getting overtaken by a new technology and that technique ends up being um, unnecessary or that solution ends up becoming unnecessary so it's not developed over time. This is one of those things that you think about when it comes to um, AI and things like that. It's going to remove a level of uh, engineering or knowledge from, from, from our society that they may forget. Um, it's a little bit different now because our documentation, it's a lot easier to capture that information. But that is something we'll talk about in future episodes um, when we go through some of the implications of artificial intelligence and AI and what we can learn from it and what we do know. Um, I know it's, it's kind of a new topic for some people. You've heard of it, but you don't, you don't know. And anyway, we'll go through something like that later on. Um, but the thing is, back to the point of uh, everything that you do can impact every, uh, everything else or it can impact society for years and years and years later on. You know, a lot of these big, anything, if you think about electrical, anything electrical, okay? In 1900, okay, the year 1900, sounds like ages ago but it's not that age. like I'm not talking about the Renaissance or you know thousands of years ago 1900 so just like a hundred years ago you know some people yeah you know some people from the 1990s for example right it's not that long ago so from in 1901 there's a picture of London in the city they still got gas lamps everywhere <laughs> you know in the main city there's horse and carriage there's like cobblestone like it's old like it looks ancient that's not that long ago you know less than 200 years ago so things change super fast, almost like magic. It feels like it's been around you the whole time. Um, but all of that is engineering improvements. Okay, there's you know there's a lot of science, like there's a lot of other fields, but at the end of the day, the solutions, what what ends up being the things that we use um, has some sort of engineering design involved. Look at a traffic light. Individually on the traffic light, all the LEDs and the way that they work that's one thing the construction of them that's another thing you know the weight they figure out the ratio so it doesn't fall over well, how is it attached then the other part of it is okay hang on how do we feed this traffic network to make it work off of it's not just timers counting down and then switching there's actually a network um, and there's actually algorithms to calculate how uh, um, how the traffic uh, to, to control the traffic flow and then you take it up a level and there's all sorts of uh, next level communications with across all the systems so you can change it, it can be overridden, it can be changed. And then next level is, you know, all these AI applications trying to find the most optimal traffic flow algorithms. Cool, this is layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of engineering evolving over time. The thing is a lot of things that we use in everyday life just become the way they are through years and years of iteration, engineering, all these innovations that are happening, you know, there's common knowledge that comes into the space and then people build off it. They get ideas, hey, if you can do that, that means I could do this, let me add this tweak. And it gets over-engineered and built. Now, not everything that's built by engineers is good. 
you know that's why you need sometimes you need some uh, designers in there um, or thoughts from other fields and things like that all other professions go into to creating something new but there's an engineering element there and it could impact years and years to come centuries you know that the way of life everything in life as you know it has some form of engineering involvement and that's kind of cool to know so if you ever want to be involved in an industry that's part of literally inventing the world of tomorrow the world that we live in look at what um you know elon musk is doing look at what all the companies your amazons and all even internet companies now are like space station space companies you know and if i explain to you some of the complexities of what's going on you you take it for granted but what they're trying to control and do doesn't make sense okay think about one of the biggest buildings you know okay don't i'm not saying like what's the number one building the tallest building. think of some of the tallest buildings in the world like just a tall building okay and then you think about what kind of explosion do i need so that that building can steadily fly directly into space okay now there's fuel in the building <laughs> and the fuel runs out as you burn it but you need enough fuel but not too much weight so that as it loses weight you know the explosion continues in a way that's sustainable to go straight up and then what about landing now we've gone to the next level that was like 40 years in 50 60 years ago engineering nowadays the thing comes back down and lands and you're fly controlling you've seen iron man the the movies right where he's kind of like hovering and imagine controlling that but an entire building this is not like a you know a small thing an entire building in unison flying back down to earth landing with pinpoint accuracy through the and the control is basically explosions now you know you see a lot a lot of these rockets on 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 tv and stuff and it looks small they're massive they're, like think of a building like a i don't know like a 10-story build like they're big the, the that's what's really cool with a lot of the engineering even if you think about power station engineering um you know it's it's a spinny thing with the water that spins this wheel essentially and you get electricity okay and the water is based is steam from heat controlled fireball that's cool you imagine this little motor spinning great but then you increase it and the individual blade of some of the massive turbines is basically the size of your house not the square foot like the, the roof you know you could stand it inside your house it goes straight through up to the roof these are massive things massive things and we control it we as humans somehow have found ways to control these massive things look at all the tall skyscrapers and just think in your head like how did it get there who was the first engineer that was like you know what let's make this 50 times bigger and stand the thing up like look at a crane like a crane is ridiculous and then oh that, i'm pretty sure that crane could carry this building you know and attach it to that i'm pretty sure we could do that look at some of the biggest bridges in the world you know what cables cables will help hold this bridge up I don't know if you've seen some of the epic like um, engineering fails in history. Some of them are amazing, but the math behind it and how they got there and then the lessons learned from it. Ooh, it's like a, that's that's kind of the other cool part of engineering. There's there are there are that there is that side of it that's like very math driven, 
a lot of geniuses involved that prove things, a lot of scientists involved that prove the physics work, the numbers work. But at the end of the day, there's a whole lot of it that until something's been done, you don't know for sure. Okay? Until something's done, you don't know for sure if it's going to work. And you can do all the math in, in theory, you can do all the math, you can run all the numbers, all the simulations, but at the end of the day, the, uh, the iterations and the engineering built on top of every technology that there is, by default, by definition, what I've, of what I just said, has to have some sort of uh, trial and error component at the end of the day. At the end of the day. And trial and erroring is trial and error. Like when you when you think of trial and error as, as a problem solving method, you try something, doesn't work. Try something, doesn't work. Try, try something, it works. Now you know how it works. Cool. Every human from when you're a baby is designed and built to solve problems this way. Okay, so everybody can solve problems in this way and it's used in the, the, the most elite of problem solving worlds, which is engineering. And that's kind of cool. That means it's open. It's open for ideas to come from, from all levels of uh, all types of people, all different mindsets, all different specialties, all different strengths. And if you're considering engineering or thinking like, why should I be doing it? You can be a part, okay? Very, very practically you, no matter what your intelligence level is, can be a part, as long as you give it the right work and in the right areas, the right time, attention, and development, you can be a part of designing and building the human, uh, the future uh, human civilization in some way, shape, or form. And that, to me, is super inspiring. All right, so we're going to leave it right there. Hopefully, you gain something out of it. You get some insight into why I think personally engineering is really cool from a day-to-day perspective to the high-end perspective like a very macro level there's a lot of micro details on the technical side that i love if you uh have different like if you have a different idea maybe you think there's a different reason or something like that head over to sorrydev.com you can get in contact and and start the conversation start the conversation maybe you can maybe you're an aspiring engineer and you think wow that's really cool or maybe you are an engineer and and you're going to tell me one of two things. One is, you're absolutely right. What we do is some of the best, you know, engineering is the coolest job in the world. Or you say, I've been doing this for years. It sucks. I hate it. In either case, let me know. Um, until next time, you know, just good luck with all the projects and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I'll see you at the next podcast.